All right, good morning to you. I am Mike Sherry, and I'm the pastor of Faith Baptist Church in Chehalis. For those of you that are just looking at me like, who is this guy, and why is he here? And what is he doing? Uh, I understand that uh, the gentleman that's been filling in uh, for Pastor Stewart is also out of town, so we're going the backup for the backup. That's what we're doing this morning. All right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> and, uh, brother Stewart got a hold of me and I had said before, uh, previous when he was, uh, going to have surgery and having complications and everything. I said, Hey, if you need anything, let me know. So you know how that goes though. You know, it's uh, not, you don't know how that's going to go, but, uh, he reached out and said, can we fill some things? And I said, well, let me make sure I can cover everything at our church. And so we certainly were able to do that, and it's a blessing to be here with you this morning. So if you would, turn in your Bibles for the Sunday School Hour to Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2. Now you come into a a church, and of course I don't know what's been happening and what's been going on. So if anything is a repeat that I say today that's already been discussed recently, just don't let me know. All right? Just keep... just. Nod your head, keep going, whatever it is, uh, and uh, <clears throat> you don't know what's what's been said and what's been going on and what's been happening, but I'm glad to be here with you this morning. And so, all right, the Sunday School Hour, Philippians chapter number 2, we're going to read a few verses here, starting in verse, um, well, let's go back up here to verse... Number 24, we'll just start in verse 24, we'll read down through a few verses here. Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 24, But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, And he that ministered to my wants, for he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. And I sent him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice and that I may be the less Sorrowful. All right, so this morning for the Sunday school time, we're going to look at uh, Epaphroditus here. And we're going to look at some things that Paul says about him and some things that, uh, that, that we could take and apply into our own lives. Uh, and, uh, if Paul were to say these things, and he doesn't say a whole lot, Epaphroditus doesn't show up a lot, shows up here and one more time, uh, in this book. Um, but if he were to say these things about me, then I would say, okay, I'm on the right track. All right. Now, you know, now Timothy was the, the, the bigger, the, the greater example as far as, uh, being known in the scriptures. He shows up here in Philippians. We see him in the book of Acts and we see obviously the book of first and second Timothy written to Timothy. So Timothy is kind of the, 
he gets all the limelight, right? He, he's the one that gets, uh, he gets the press. Uh, he's the one that was under Paul and Paul, as we can see, calls him a son, uh, in the Lord and was probably, uh, Paul probably had something to do with leading him to the Lord at the very least discipling him, of course, as he wrote the letters to Timothy. And so, uh, Timothy is the one that we could spend a lot of time looking at him. But we don't have a lot of time this morning. I get one shot. All right, that's it. One Sunday school session. That's all. Uh, so Epaphroditus is, is much more manageable. Uh, but he, Epaphroditus is a very good uh, example and probably equal in character to Timothy. Uh, so that's why uh, I want to bring him up this morning. So we find him in verse number 25, of course. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. So he's going to send Epaphroditus because that Paul himself couldn't go there at that time. <clears throat> he sends Epaphroditus uh, to them to see how they're doing and to check up on him. Paul, of course, as he uh, goes around and of course if you read the book of Acts and you kind of try to follow where he's going and you, you know, if you're like me, you go, where is that place again? And you flip to the back of your Bible to the Bible maps and then you try to find that one map that has, you know, the color coded Paul's missionary journeys and you say, where was that city, uh, that it's talking about that he was in or where was that area that he was in? And it's profitable to study that. It's profitable to kind of understand the difference between a city and a region uh, because it, it play, comes into play when you're reading the scriptures. Uh, but Paul, as he travels around and literally begins to start churches and begins to witness and give the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, he has those that become saved and he spends his time there and he tries to disciple them and get them together. Uh, and then he goes somewhere else, sometimes because he wants to, sometimes because... Well, people are kind of forcing his hand, you know, like trying to kill him. Uh, and he has to then go somewhere else. Uh, and when he's doing that, uh, he has a heart for these people. He has a heart for these churches. And he tries to make sure that they're taken care of and that someone can sometimes go back and look at them and, and be with them and see how they're doing. You know, he couldn't just hop on a social media network and say, hey, how's the church going? <laughs> You know, he couldn't just uh, open up something in the morning and just scroll through and say, oh, there's the church. Oh, pictures of a meeting they had. That's great. You know, they, they couldn't do that. So he wanted to send people back and he sends Epaphroditus back to this church to check on them. And in talking about Epaphroditus, he says, he's my brother. That's the first thing he says about him. He says, he's my brother. Now, Paul can use the term brethren in several different ways he can use brethren as in jewish brethren and that can mean uh simply uh a race a group of people lost or saved uh and so he can use brethren as that term but when he talks about brother especially when he talks about son and he talks about these things he talks about them in the lord all right, so Epaphroditus is a brother, which you understand, John chapter 1, verse number 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So if you're saved here this morning, and uh, I hope you are, uh, as I'm saved this morning, we can call each other brother and sister, right? And that can come in handy this morning. Right? You're going to be like, oh, I know he's from up north, but I don't remember. Hey, brother, nice to have you here this morning. Right? See, it covers it. 
right? So, uh, you know, we can use that term, the brother and sister in Christ. And when we talk about the sons of God, it's the sonship. And we talk about man, mankind, right? But we can use the term sons and daughters of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. And so he says, Epaphroditus is my brother. That means something. That should mean something. It should mean something to say, hey, that's a brother in Christ. And uh, some of you here uh, in this church, you might have friendships in this church, friendships based on the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation, that you might be closer to people in this church than maybe some of your own family especially if they're not saved or uh, maybe if they just uh, don't live uh, around here or something. Uh, but the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can do a lot of things. And to have a brother and sister in Christ, that should mean something. I should be able to come in here this morning and I might preach different to you and I might say something. You go, what is up with this guy? All right. Well, I have an excuse. Uh, like, like Brother Griffey, I'm from back east. All right. So, uh, right. <laughs> I say back east to you, it's just east, right? There's no back. It's just east. It's just over there on the other side. <clears throat> so I spent 18 years. It gets worse. I spent 18 years in uh, Rochester, New York. All right. So all the all the New York things that you hear about, uh, it's true. It's true. Um, but uh, all those things. So you know, things might be different today and, and it might not be the same because it's a new guy standing up here in my family. And we hope to, at least the family that I brought, uh, three of my children, uh, we hope to be able to sing a song for you later and just try to minister. Uh, and things are going to be a little bit different, you know, and it's kind of where you're looking, you look at the preacher for a while. What's he trying to say? What's he getting at? Right. And I'm looking at you going, are they getting anything? What am I? <laughs> Are they awake? I'm kind of scanning everybody to go. I know it's Sunday school. Is everybody awake? But there should be something. It shouldn't take very long to say, hey, we're like brothers and sisters in Christ. And there should be something. You should be able to come. If you ever come up to Chehalis, you're more than welcome to come to Faith Baptist Church. And if you come into our church, it's going to be different. And the building's going to look different. And the service is going to be different, right? Because, praise God, we're independent. And we can kind of do what we want to do. And you might say, uh, things are just a little bit different here. But I can get on board with this. I can feel comfortable with this. Singing out of a hymn book. And preaching out of the open word of God. And we just, I'm on board with this. And so there's, there's that commonality through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the blood of the Lord. I'm thankful that we can be brothers and sisters in Christ and we can come from all different places and we can be from all different backgrounds. And, uh, our church in New York was, uh, was, was a little more diverse and say, what happened? Well, we had just a whole bunch of different individuals. It wasn't a large church, but we had just individuals from different places and different cultures and different things. And guess what? We were different and yet we could be the same in Christ. And so we didn't, we didn't all have to be just robots and become everything the same. Uh, we had some that were Puerto Rican. We had some that were Jamaican. We had some that were African American. We had some that were Polish. And when I mean Polish, I mean like old school Polish. And we had some Italians that were like old school Italian, right? And we had, uh, it was just, it felt just everyone could come in and we could say, we're going to serve God together. And it didn't mean that we all had to be exactly the same. That's what the world tries to see. Now I'm preaching. 
Here we go. It's the Sunday it's the Sunday school hour and now I'm into preaching, all right? The world says everybody has to accept everything and we're all exactly the same. We don't have to be exactly the same. We can be different and yet accept one another for who we are and where we come from and maybe where we grew up and, and maybe uh, how our differences are. We can say, yes, we might be different, but praise God, we're saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when people walk through these doors, we, we never know who's going to walk through the doors. You pass out a gospel track. You, you try to witness to somebody. Somebody that knows somebody else uh, says, hey, uh, you should go to this church. And we don't know who's going to walk through the doors. And they might not look like us. They might not act like us. They might not know how church is supposed to happen. But thank God, because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can say, hey, you're welcome. You're welcome here with us. And I'm thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, for the blood of, of Christ. But he says, so he says, Epaphroditus, he says, he's my brother. He's my brother. He also says, and companion in labor. Companion in labor. Now, labor, work, sometimes as a Christian, that's a, that's a dirty word to work. But in Christianity, we are supposed to labor for the Lord. All right. We're going to turn to some places now. First Corinthians chapter number one. First Corinthians chapter one. We're going to come back to Philippians. So if you have anything to keep there, but first Corinthians, we're going to go to chapter number three. I don't know what I just told you, but. First Corinthians chapter number three, verse number eight. First Corinthians chapter three, verse number eight. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Paul talking about the differences and how we can minister for the Lord. And he talks in verse number six about, I have planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And he's saying, Hey, listen, because one does one thing and one does another thing doesn't make anybody more important. It's we all have our part and we all are going to stand before the Lord for the work that we have done for the Lord. That's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is us being uh, rewarded for the works that we have done, not for salvation, not works for salvation, but works after we've been saved. We're going to be judged for those things that we have done. And so, but what is it? It's going to be work. It's going to be labor. Listen, if, if getting saved and being a Christian and living for God and serving God and laboring for Christ, if it was easy, if it was popular, everybody would be doing it. We, we, I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have enough seats in here, right, to hold everybody. But the work part and the labor part is just like it sounds. <laughs> work and labor for the Lord. And we're laboring together for the Lord. I can come down here and see you here this morning. And I don't know what, what your life is like. I don't know how much you're serving God or how little you're serving God. I don't know what your spiritual condition is this morning. 
But if you're here this morning, thank God for that. If you're doing something for the Lord, thank God for that. And you know what? God's called you to exactly this place, to exactly where you are, to where you live and where you work and where you shop and everything else to do what? To labor for the Lord and to work and labor for him. My pastor in New York, uh, he uh, died a couple of years ago. Uh, and, uh, I left in 2018 and no, 2020, sorry, 2020, all the times blur together. I don't know, uh, 2020. And we moved here, uh, to Washington. And then in, in 2021, uh, my pastor got COVID and pneumonia and he was in his early seventies and, uh, had some heart issues and, uh, he did not, uh, survive, but he used to say this. He used to say, uh, we, we'd have a large youth meeting, uh, in our church. We had to rent a building and a bunch of people came and he used to say, listen, we're all here right now, but what's going to happen is we're going to go back to our foxholes where God wants us to be and serve the Lord in those places. And so you're serving the Lord here. Thank God for it. I'm up the road in Chehalis and we have a church there. Thank God. Right. To do what? To labor in those areas and to work and do something for the Lord. Look in Acts chapter number 13, if you would. Acts chapter number 13. <clears throat> Acts chapter 13, verse number two. This church here at, at Antioch and prophets and teachers, verse number two, and they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Ghost said to separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Saul and Barnabas, of course, you, you know them. They go on some missionary journeys. Saul and Barnabas split up and Saul takes Silas and so Paul and Silas, they end up uh, going around uh, as well. But what what does the Lord say here through the Holy Ghost, through his word? He says, separate Barnabas and Saul, who we know to be Paul, uh, for the work whereunto, what's he say? I have called them. It's not just work because it's effort. It's work and a labor that God has called you unto, if you're saved, if you're a brother and sister in Christ, he's called you unto a work, and that works for him. And that work, serving the Lord, is the greatest work you could ever do. It's the greatest thing in this life that you could do. Once you realize that putting the Lord first in your life and putting him before everything else and that there's a work to do for the Lord and there's a joy and a peace that comes with doing something for the Lord and giving your life to the Lord, you know what happens? The work that you do to pay the bills becomes a means to pay the bills and provide for your family so that you can do the work of the Lord. That's what it becomes. It doesn't become like, well... This church thing is something that I do when I have free time. And, but, but really what I'm doing is I'm trying to climb the ladder. I'm trying to do my own thing and make my own money or I'm trying to, to, to put myself in a, a financial situation that I'm happy with. Listen, your flesh will never be happy with any financial situation. You know why? Cause when you get something, you want more. And then when you get more, you'll say, I kind of like this. Let's do this more. 
And, and it, it keeps going. The flesh is never satisfied. Satisfaction comes from the Lord. It comes from God. It comes from being content. That's what the Bible says. With food and raiment, therewith be content. Well, in my closet this morning, I got to choose which outfit I wanted to put on. Why? Because I have more than one suit. And maybe you have, maybe you got to choose this morning in your closet what you were going to put on. Why? Because with food, we have more than just food and raiment. God's given us so much more. And yet he says with food and raiment, therewith be content. Why? Because in him we can be content and thank God for it. And when we can figure this thing out and living for the Christian life, uh, it can be a companion in labor, a companion in labor. Look in Acts 14 verse 26. Acts fourteen twenty six, <clears throat> and thence sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they had fulfilled. The work which they had fulfilled. They come back, they go on their missionary journey, they come back, and they end up back up in Antioch of Syria. And what happens? He says, hey, the work that God sent them to do, they did that work, and that work was fulfilled. But there's more work. There's more work. There's always more work. I mean, it feels good to start a project and then finish a project. I'm better at starting things than I am finishing. But sometimes you start something and you finish it. And it feels good to be like, man, I got that done. I got that. I checked that off the list. I wanted to do that and I finished it. One thing I'm trying to do more this year is to read more. I'm not a big reader. I don't really like to read. My father loves to read. Always books beside his bed, stacked up everywhere. He loves books. He loves to read. My mother loves to read. Loves books. My sister, bookworm, loves to read. Me, eh, I'd rather go outside. (laughs) I'd rather do something else. But, uh, so for me, reading is a discipline. That means I have to discipline myself to read. And as a pastor, I need to read. You know why? I only have so much up here. I have a limited hard drive going on up here. All right. Uh, and so all the ideas that are going to come from my brain, uh, well, I'm going to exhaust those real quick. So what do I need to do? Not only read the word of God, but I need to read other people as well and other books so that I can see something, how they see it. And then the Lord can use that in my life to be able to give back out uh, to my church. And so uh, what do I, I need to read? Well, it's, it's easy to start reading a book, right? I run out of bookmarks quicker than I run, than I finish the book to use that same bookmark. So I can, I, I think I started that book on my bookshelf. Let me see. Yeah, there's the bookmark. <laughs> oh, that's where that went. Yeah. Okay. I found it, but it feels good. I mean, I've, I've already knocked some books off this year. Nothing major, you know, nothing huge, but I've knocked some books off this year and it feels good to start something and finish something. But there's always more to do. When the Lord puts a burden on your heart and a labor on your heart and you start something and you do something and maybe, to, maybe it's to, to reach out to your neighbors with gospel tracts. Maybe it's to talk to people at your workplace and say, Hey, I think you know that I'm a Christian, but I'd like to invite you. Easter's coming up. Here's an Easter invite to our church or whatever. Maybe the Lord gives you something to do and you say, but I've done that. And then the Lord says, got something else for you to do. There's always the next thing to do for the Lord. And uh, thank God that there is, but it's a labor. It's a labor. First Corinthians chapter 15. 
1 Corinthians 15. Verse number 58. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's work. It's labor. Keep working. Keep laboring for the Lord. Now, the thing about this work and this labor, uh, like we saw uh, with Paul earlier in the book of Corinthians, <clears throat> there's different kinds of labor, and sometimes you don't always get to see the fruit. Sometimes you can do work and work and work and work and labor and work and effort and time and energy into people, into sage people, into lost people. You can put time and energy and effort and work, and it seems like you don't see any fruit sometimes. And it can be discouraging. Sometimes it can be discouraging. You think, why am I even doing this? Sometimes you think, it must be me. That's what I think often. It must be me. Why is this not working out? I just want this to be done for the Lord. I want this to work well in someone's life. I want to see somebody get saved. I want to see someone decide to, they got saved, but they haven't grown in the Lord. And man, if they could just get in and see the joy of living for God. And you want to see that, but you don't always see it. And and you pass out a gospel track and you never seem to see any fruit from it. One day we're going to see it, though. One day we're going to be, be rewarded when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to be because he's keeping track. He's keeping track of all the work and all the labor. I, I might never see it. Your work and your labor. I might never see it. Your pastor, he, he probably tries his best to say, hey, good job. But I know for me, I'll speak for me only. Uh, there's a lot of people in our church that do a lot of things and I don't always get to them and say, thank you for doing that and good job. And so sometimes it might feel like we go unnoticed even amongst the people we're working with, but he doesn't, he sees it. He, he's not turning a blind eye. He sees everything that you're doing for your work and your labor for the Lord. And one day we're going to see all that. We're going to be able to see what happens. We're going to be able to see that gospel track that we passed out that we had no idea whatever happened to it. We never heard from anybody. They never called the, they never called the number on the church track. They never showed up and walked through the doors. But to see the fruit of what happens someday, man, that's going to be a blessing. That's going to be a blessing. And you might lead, you might have the blessing of leading somebody to the Lord. And you might think, man, look what I just did. And yet someone else had been working for years, maybe, or passing out a gospel track, or maybe had been trying to witness to somebody or be an example to somebody for years before you got to pull that fruit off the tree. And someone else had done all the work and all the plowing and all and everything else. And you just got to see the harvest. And, uh, thank God for all of that. I mean, I'll often pray, uh, and, and Lord, I know I've been trying to deal with this person, or I know I've been witnessing to this person, or Lord, can you send someone else by their way so that they can be another testimony for them? And maybe they'll get saved, and I don't care how they get saved. And I don't, I don't need, it's not like, you know, I have the proverbial notches on the belt, you know, aha, there's another one for me. Man, it's for the glory and praise of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it is labor. And it is work. Uh, and that's what it is. Let's look back in Philippians chapter number three. Philippians chapter, uh, sorry, number two. Philippians chapter number two, verse number 25. <clears throat> Epaphroditus, Paul says he's my brother and companion in labor 
and fellow soldier. Fellow soldier. So it's a laborer, someone that's working. He also calls him a soldier. A soldier. Now, I've never been in the military. My father was in the Navy and uh, served in the Navy, got out and was in the reserves for a bit. But before I was really, he was out of the Navy before I was even uh, probably three years old. He was already out. So I don't remember anything of that life. I don't remember anything of <clears throat> moving around. I was born in Spain, but we left when I was before I was one years old. So that's just something I get to say. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, I was born there. Uh, you know, Virginia, California, all these other places that we lived. I don't remember. I was young. Uh, I was too little. But uh, he was in the Navy. I was never in the military. So I don't know what it's like to be in the military and to understand everything that it means to be a soldier. Maybe some of you served in the military here. Or maybe some of you are in the military uh, that are here. And you can know more about this. It's going to hit home more to you than it would to me. But from studying the Word of God and talking to other individuals that have been in the military, I can understand some things about being a soldier. And he says, Epaphroditus is a fellow soldier in the Lord, a fellow soldier in the Lord. First Timothy chapter number six, first Timothy chapter six. First Timothy six, verse number 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Uh, this, this faith, this living in this faith for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a fight. If you haven't noticed, it's a fight. And if you haven't lived any struggle and had to fight, then, well, honestly, you're probably not trying very hard. Because there's enemies at every turn. And the biggest enemy that you're going to face ever to do anything for the Lord Jesus Christ in this life is going to be the person that you saw in the mirror this morning. <laughs> that's the one that's going to be standing in your way more than anybody else for you to serve God because my flesh doesn't want to do what God wants me to do. And uh, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And all the other things about the verses, it's going to take some, it's going to take some backbone. Uh, it's going to take some, uh, some stick to right? That's a nice word. Uh, it's going to take, uh, some putting down of the flesh. It's going to take some fighting. It's going to take some discipline to be a soldier for the Lord Jesus Christ. But boy, it's a fight worth fighting. If you haven't noticed, this world's all about arguing and fighting now. Uh, and you know, it's all about being on this side or that side of the political spectrum. It's about red and it's about blue and it's about, uh, all the other stuff and everyone's just ready to, to pick up an arms and, and be in a fight over it. And I'm, and I'm, I'm not saying that there isn't certain stands we need to take, but often those stands need to be biblical stands more than they need to be stands about political color. And we can take stands where we need to take the stand. And it's often going to line up with this Bible. And this Bible is going to tell us what we should be standing for and what we should be standing against. 
And so some people are all quick to, to jump up and get in some kind of argument about some kind of policy or some type of left or right political spectrum. But yet those same people are very rarely ever willing to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ and for his name. And it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that. If we're going to fight the good fight of faith, see how it cl- quantifies? We're going to fight the good fight of faith. What is that? That's for the Lord. Now, it's not picking a fight, <laughs> all right? But there's a time to stand up and say, no, that's not right. You can hear people out in this world say a whole bunch of things about your God and your Savior. And you know what? It's okay sometimes to say, that's not true. Or, I don't appreciate you talking about my Savior that way. It's okay every once in a while to, to, to take a stand for the Lord. You don't have to do it with an attitude. You don't have to be a jerk about it. You can, but you can take a stand for the Lord and say, listen, let me tell you what, you know, when, when you talk, when you're the same God that you're asking to damn everything, that God, he saved my soul and I'm thankful for that. And that's, that's my Jesus Christ, that name that you just used, the curse word, that's my savior. And I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't talk about him that way. Why? And then use it as an opportunity. Say, listen, my life, <laughs> I was in a way different place at one point in life. And then the Lord Jesus Christ came into my life and he saved my soul because he loved me enough to die for me. And thank God I'm trying to make some changes and be more like him in my life. I'm not perfect. And I know that I'm saying something now and it puts you on notice. But I'm just thankful the Lord Jesus Christ saved my soul. And what does that do? It's part of fighting the good fight of faith. It's part of, it's part of standing up for the Lord and being a fellow soldier. First Timothy chapter number one, verse number 18. First Timothy chapter one, verse number 18. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. This isn't like a one, one, one battle where we just have one struggle and then it's over. This is a war. It's a war and it's a warfare. And until the Lord Jesus Christ takes us home, either by the sound of the trumpet at the rapture, or we take our last breath on this side, it's a warfare and there's no retirement in this warfare. There's no retirement. There's no, there's no, uh, I'm going to get out uh, and then just kick back and serve God in a hammock with some lemonade. That's not the type of war this is. This is a type of battle until the end. Until the end. And serving God till the end. And uh, it's a fellow soldier. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse number 3. Thou therefore, this is written to Timothy again, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. And it goes on here, the husband that laboreth, there we go again, laboreth, must be first partakers of the fruits. It's all coming together, co-laborer, a companion in labor, a fellow soldier, uh, a good soldier of Jesus Christ, not being so caught up in the things of this world that we're, we can't do anything for God. 
not being so caught up in the hobby and being so caught up in the goals and aspirations. I'm not even talking about sins this morning. Those God tells you it's a sin. You see it from God's word. Your preacher preaches on it and he says, that's a sin. And you said, that sounds weird. Take his word for it until God shows you in the scriptures and stay away from it. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about some stuff that just gets in the way of us being a soldier for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not saying you can't go out on the boat. I'm not saying you can't go hunt. I'm not saying you can't have whatever hobby, whatever thing it is that you like. I'm saying when that comes between you and doing something for God, it becomes a problem. And you say, Lord, I want to be able to step back because I want to do what I'm supposed to do for you. I want to be a soldier for you. I want to serve you when I'm supposed to. And it's being a fellow soldier uh, for God. And it, it entails some work and it entails some effort. Uh, and I mean, the whole thing about a soldier, there's message upon message upon message upon message in that likeness of a soldier to what we should be for the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter number two, Philippians chapter number two, verse 25. He says, Epaphroditus, my brother, he says, and companion in labor and fellow soldier. He says, but your Messenger. So now he's talking to the church of Philippi. He says, but your messenger. All right. He was a messenger. Uh, say, how was he a messenger? Look in Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter four. <clears throat> Let's start reading in verse number 15. Philippians chapter four, verse 15. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. This is talking about money, all right? For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desired a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full. Look what he says. Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. He's talking here to the church of Philippi, and he says, hey, you know, when I was with you, he says that very few communicated with me, and that's a good Bible word to do a, a Bible study on, but very few communicated with me as far as giving and receiving. And he says, but not you. You guys, though, have given and you've communicated and you've given to me, not because I wanted it, Paul says. I wasn't asking for you to give me money. I wasn't asking to receive a gift. I wasn't asking for to, I wasn't, you know, uh, oh man, I just don't have anything and I have so many needs and so many things that I, I just got to pay the bills. He wasn't doing that. He was saying, listen, I didn't, God can take care of me. He says, my God shall supply all your need. He says, I've learned to be content. In whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He says, I've learned that. He says, but the fruit that's going to abound to your count because of your giving unto me and him being able to supply the needs of others and supply his own needs. He says, that's what I'm rejoicing over. And who brought that gift from you to me? Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. He was the messenger. He was the messenger. 
Now, if you're gonna, if there's someone there and you're gonna say, listen, we want to give this money, uh, over here, uh, to this individual, you're gonna go to them and see them. So I'm gonna give, we're gonna give you all this money that we've collected and give it to you so that you can take it to them. You know what you want that person to be? Trustworthy. <laughs> right? Trustworthy. You want him to be trustworthy. And I believe Epaphroditus was. He was a trustworthy messenger. And he says, for you, Paul says to the church of Philippi, for you, he was a messenger unto me. He brought with that gift and that, that communication that you brought and that you gathered together and you wanted me to have it. He brought that to me and thank God for that. He was a messenger and he was a trustworthy messenger. You know, we should be a trustworthy messenger with the gospel. We should be a trustworthy messenger of God for the gospel. Because the Lord Jesus Christ, when he comes back the next time, he's not going to come back uh, and and preach the cross. When he comes back the next time, he's going to come back to establish a kingdom. And he's going to destroy everybody that's against him. Uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet and the beast, he's going to wipe them all out because he's going to come back this time with power. He's not going to come as a baby. He's going to come as a king. And uh, I'm looking for him to come back. I know the rapture is happening before that, and we're going to stand before God before that because we get to, I don't know, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, how do I say this without sounding? Uh, I'm not a horse person. Is that okay to say that? I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm not a horse person. All right. You might, you might be, you might like horses, you might have horses, right? We have lots of people in our church, uh, that do that, but I'm not a horse person. Uh, I, I wasn't raised around them. I'm not around. They make me nervous. All right. Horses make me nervous. They're big. They're huge. They got big teeth. You know, they're like, uh, yeah, I like your horses from here. You know, they're lovely. I see them over there. You know, uh, they're powerful. There's a lot of cool things about them, but they make me nervous. Uh, so, but one day we're going to come back on some white horses Amen. with the Lord. And, uh, I'm going to trust that horse. All right. That's the one the Lord has for me. It's going to like me and it's, we're going to be okay. All right. So, uh, but we're going to be coming back with the Lord and we're going to come back with him and he's going to establish, uh, his kingdom. I'm looking forward to that day where the Lord gets what he rightly deserves. But until then, now, this is going to blow your mind. Guess who he left in charge with spreading his word? And the Bible says the ministry of reconciliation, that's someone being reconciled unto God, like you were if you got saved. Guess who he left that, that job to? No, it's not the preacher. It's not just the preacher. It's you and me. It's spreading the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are a messenger. The Bible says that we are an ambassador for Christ. Someone that represents Christ. Someone that says, hey, I have some good news for you. This world is going to hell quick. But thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the gospel. Thank God for the hope and the surety and the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, this world is just full of lies. People are turning from the truth and they're running to fables. They want to go, they want to believe lies. They want to reject the truth and believe lies, but not everybody. 
Some people were saying, I just wish there was some truth in this world. Because I go online and I turn on the TV and I listen to the radio and I talk to the guy down at the workplace or I talk to the uh, the woman behind the register at the grocery store and, man, everything is just lies and I don't know what to believe anymore. I agree. You know the only place you can go to get truth anymore? That's it. I don't care what the letters on the news, work, news station is. I don't care what the, the radio station is. Where can you go get truth? Right here. And if it doesn't line up with this truth, I'm out. I'm not interested. Uh, I'm not interested. But we are messengers for the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what we should do. We should take the message of the gospel. We should be trustworthy. Trustworthy. Uh, I'm going to take for granted that most of you are trustworthy. Maybe some of the teenagers, like three of them sitting down here, maybe sometimes are a little forgetful. All right. But in general, maybe trustworthy. All right, so if I had a bunch of money and I wanted to see that and I wanted to give that to some of you and I wanted you to give that to somebody to be a blessing, I would have to say, all right, they're probably trustworthy. And you'd say, boy, I don't want to, I don't want to let the Lord down. Right? So I'm going to take this money and I'm going to give this to who it's supposed to go to. I don't want to rob the Lord's money. So I'm going to give this to who they want to give it to. And we would feel pretty good about that once we did the job. We'd say, yep, got the money. Kept it, kept safekeeping of it, got it to exactly who it was supposed to go to. I did the job. I finished it. We'd feel okay about that. But how much more is the gospel worth than money? And we have the gospel. Say, well, I don't know all the verses, how to lead somebody to the Lord. Grab a gospel track. If you have a gospel track, you can lead somebody to the Lord if you're both reading the gospel track. You can say, you know what? I want you to see this. Let's read this together because you don't remember them. (laughs) That's okay. And then you can read them together. You can hand out a gospel track and say, listen, this is going to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ and how to go to, how to know you're going to go to heaven when you die. This is just some good news. When you got a chance, I know you're busy right now. When you got a chance, put it in your pocket. You can check this out later. Uh, I'm from God's word Baptist church. I put into my phone, because I had to remember that I was coming here to preach. I put into my phone, preach, I just shortened it, preach God's word. And I thought, well, I hope so. (laughs) Preach God's word, yeah, right. Oh yeah, preach at God's word, that's right, that's what I'm doing. I go to God's word Baptist church over here, and listen, I just want to give you this, this is from our church, we'd love to have you. Love to see you come and visit. And what is it? It's getting out the gospel. It's being a messenger of the gospel. Say, well, I've already tried with them. Well, boy, they look scary. Don't, don't worry if somebody looks scary. You just, I see, I don't even look scary. I can't even try to look scary. There's nothing scary. But say, well, I'm intimidated to do this or I'm fearful in the flesh. Say, Lord, please strengthen me by the power of your Holy Spirit because you know what? Everybody needs a gospel. The ones that seem like they would take it and the ones that seem like they're really scary because you don't know. You just don't know. What do you do? Just get the gospel. Just be the faithful messenger for the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I just want you to use me and I want to get out this gospel. I'm a messenger for the Lord. And without it, we're failing the Lord. The Lord's put you in that exact place. That, that Listen, I'm not going to meet the people you meet. Your pastor's not always going to meet the same people that you're around. 
You might live on the outskirts of town. You might live in the next town over or three towns up or whatever it is. You might live in the area and you shop at your place and you know the person where you always go and get this one thing and the Lord's put you in their lives in order to be a messenger for the Lord Jesus Christ for them. And I might never see them. I might never meet them. The people in this church might never be in those same places, that same thing, that same situation. No, you and I are both to be messengers for the Lord Jesus Christ and to give him the gospel. It's far greater than money. It's far greater than money. It's far greater than being, oh, I'm, I'm held with a secret. We're having a special meeting in November. Your pastor has been to our church and preached our November meeting. That was a real blessing. Uh, and I have one person booked uh, that's going to be the preacher for that. And uh, you don't know him, but that preacher is going to be just kidding. My kids are trying, dad, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And I'm like, I'm not telling you. And they're like, yeah, but who's, we, we'll keep a secret. I'm like, nope, you're not trustworthy. You, know, you can't, you're not trustworthy. I can't give it to you. They're like, do we know who it is? I'm like, maybe. Is it from back East? I don't know. Is it, does they live on the East side? Or does they live on the left side or the right side of the country? I can't tell you. Right, they're really wanting to know who it is that's going to come and preach. But you might, someone might tell you a secret and you might say, man, I, I did really good with that secret. Oh, I kept it and I was, I was good with it. I didn't tell anybody and I was trustworthy with the secret. The gospel's not a secret. The gospel's not something where you have to keep it hid in your life and not let anybody know about it. No, it's the greatest news that there ever has been is the gospel of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to be ministers of that and we need to be uh, faithful messengers and ministers. And if Paul has said these things about you that he said about Paphroditus, then you'd be on the right track. You'd be on the right track. And there's some things we can learn from this man that we can apply to our lives. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you this morning for your blessings. Thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, I pray that you'd bless the next hour. If anyone's still on their way and and uh, coming for the worship service, that you'd protect them on their way here. Lord, you'd bring this morning into church the exact people that you want to be here. And uh, Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Lord, please bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen.